I want to talk about what happens with the ego. Um, from Dr. Joey Dispenza and Dr. David Hawkins. And they explain like this, that we develop over our, over our life, we condition ourselves, we put a virus in our system, meaning the subconscious is, 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 is like has enormous potential. But what happens is, right? Say the first time that we, someone has the fear of public speaking. Why? Because they were 11 years old, they were in grade, six they got up to do the end of year presentation and what happened somebody giggled somebody laughed somebody made a, a, a foul comment and from then on they got the the the, the stomach you know the, the stomach was um um the feeling anxiety and and stress and and and, and butterflies all the stuff and they just they start feeling nauseous and they come so now every time what happens that they they, they have a chance an opportunity someone says do you want to say something publicly they trigger in their mind that experience and they relive that whole experience as if it's happening now, but it's not happening now. Right? So what happens is, is that the slave becomes the master because the body reacts, the stomach falls and the tension, the tension in the chest and tightness in the stomach and the abs and what happens. And then that's the reaction you want. When you hear it, you want to speak publicly. Then, then the, that, that emotion goes up to the mind and the thought goes to my mind and it tells the brain, okay, should we speak publicly now in the room? And the brain says, mm, I'm not feeling very good about this, right? And it reinforces the emotions that you're feeling that's manifesting through your body. And that reinforces your thoughts and that reinforces, and it's a vicious cycle that goes on and on and on. And what happens is, if a person has problems in all different areas, social anxiety, doesn't have to be public speaking, but anything, communication, whatever it is, people have issues, then unfortunately, that level of stress is very unhealthy because it's not sustainable, like a deer. Right? God made every creature and be able to sustain a limited amount of healthy stress. If the deer is programmed, that if the lion is chasing the deer for 100 meters, that's fine. The deer will run away and it will be free and it will recover and go back home to his family. Fantastic. But if the lion chased the deer for one year, like the deer is not built to sustain that level of stress. It won't, it won't be able to manage, right? So, so to humans, the reason why people have... Um, unexpected, seemingly unexpected breakdowns, emotional breakdowns or, or, or panic attacks or, or God forbid, other issues is because the level of stress that they have been living with, that they've conditioned themselves consciously, subconsciously, subconsciously conditioned themselves with, there's a virus in the system that every time they're just doing what they're, they're choosing on the quantum you know, field of, of opportunities, the one option that didn't work out, the one possibility out of billions of possibilities when really, just because once in your life when you were 11 years old didn't work out, doesn't mean that every single time in your life it's not going to work out. But if you think that and believe it and feel that and you manifest that, then you've lost control of the system. You've lost control. And most people have lost control. On a side note, um, I happen to be a math hypnotist, which shifts the subconscious, which is amazing. But that's a separate discussion. But it's, it is quite hard for people to do on their own. I mean, you can try meditation. You can try, um, you know, breathing but it is very hard because it's built in for so long 30 40 50 years it's so hard without external help um now letting go how does it work this is going to blow your mind okay there was a guy his name was dr david hawkins and he would heal people it's crazy but he wrote a book about surrender and letting go and this book is it's it's almost word for word what all the Hasidic 
scripture writes in the last 300 years. And he wrote this only, you know, 20 years ago. So it's quite incredible that, the, that these two schools of thought actually align perfectly. Now he writes, he had his own life out of our experiences as a young child, blah, blah, blah. What we would call in, in, in Hasidot, separating from your ego, separating from your physical self. And he ended up developing a medical clinic and he solved thousands of patients that, that contemporary medicine uh, could not solve. So, and all of this was done by letting go, getting the patient to let go, because this is how it works. I'll explain to you. How it works is like this, is that, and the body manifests what the mind holds to be true. So your, your if you believe that you are poor and undeserving and not worthy, your body will attract that in your life. But if you believe that you are worthy and, and rich and deserving and good and, 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 and wanted and needed, then you will attract that in your life, right? The law of attraction. Now, the law of attraction is not the law of attraction here where you just get whatever you want. The law of attraction is through letting go and letting Hashem. He explains how it works. Okay. Okay. How it works is like this, is that poorness attracts poorness and richness attracts richness. So classic example, boy wants girl, girl doesn't want boy. Boy doesn't want girl, girl wants boy. What happened? What happened? Could be the other way around. What happened? He says like this. As long as the boy wants the girl, right? And he hasn't let go. He hasn't let go and let God. So now he's independent of God. He's himself, right? So we have to say, we say, we say Yeshus, which means ego and, 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 and physical, physical self. Yeshus, your physical self, independence of God. And then Hispashtus, which means separating from your ego and physical self and becoming part of the Achtos Hashem, part of God's oneness. The role of a Jew is his whole life, everything he does, to become part of God's oneness. How do you do that? Everything you do, you, you nullify yourself to be under God's will. So if everything in your life that you do, you are doing in sync with God's will, then you are part of God's oneness, which is eternal, which is your eternal reward. You live forever because you become part of God. Anything that is not part of God is like a dead fly in the wall. It exists, but does it exist? For a week, it disintegrates and it's gone forever. And the same for every house, every building. It only exists within a time period. But... If you attach to God, that is what lasts forever. That is the real you, right? So in our lifetime, whatever we do that's outside of God is, 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 is the biggest waste of time. It has no relevance. It has no cure. It is not sustainable. It's worthless. It's definitely on the wall. Only the things that we do that are part of God's oneness, that are underneath God's will, when we submit ourselves to God's will, his spotless to the Ratzon Hashem, to the Achtos Hashem, then we are part of connecting to eternity. Okay, so now what's happening is, is that when a person wants to go, a boy wants to go, if he's acting as himself, as himself, as something separate from God, as a human independent with an ego and self-interest. So now, does he have the girl? No. So Klape, the girl, he's poor because he wants the girl and he needs the girl. So he's attracting poorness because he wants what he doesn't have. He's poor and he's building his own barrier to getting it. But as soon as he lets go of that need and he becomes part of God's oneness, he's not a person with independent needs and desires and poor. He's just part of God's oneness. So now there's no poorness attracting anything. So now on the energy level field, it can, it can just attract. That's how it works. Now, it's fascinating that this is, this is written by Dr. Hawkins because guess who says this exact thing? The Gemara. 
The Gemara says this in Brachot 61b. Abaya says, says Pornus attracts Pornus. And <clears throat> Rabbi Nachman says in Likute Haran Kuf Tzadik Gimel 2 that your mind is so powerful you can't attract anything you want. Anything, he says. Even, this is the Holy Rabbi Nachman speaking, even money. Even you want 10 million, you can 100% get it. But, says Rabbi Nachman, here's the catch. Here's the catch. <laughs> Only if it's without the ego and the emotions. Meaning, if you can let go and let God and surrender to God's oneness, Achdus Hashem, then you'll attract it. But as long as you are in yourself, in your physical, egoistic, self-interest, self-centered self, you will not attract anything, which is exactly the same as what Dr. Hawkins says, because you are then poor to that thing and you don't attract upon us. Says Rabbi Nachman, he continues in the same piece, what I said from Dr. George Spencer before about the mind and the body manifesting what the mind holds to be true. And if you think you're unworthy and undeserving, and if you think you're always going to get sick and you always have germophobia, then you will be un- unworthy and you will get sick and you will have you will get a cold all the time because that's what you believe is going to happen. So your body will manifest that physically. Says Rabbi Nachman, this is what happened with Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was taken out one of the 10 Asara Haruga Malchus. The Romans came, second temple era, and they decreed no more Torah, no more Beta Mikdash, nothing. Any of the rabbis who teach Torah in public are going to be killed. And Rabbi Akiva risked his life. He was, the, he was the leader of the Jewish people. And Torah doesn't stop, not for Romans and not for Corona. Torah continues. Right? That's our life. We say every time in, in, in Ma'aret, this is our life. Torah mitzvot. Because outside of Hashem, we're just living a life that's disconnected, has no meaning. It's not sustainable. There's no long-term significance. So therefore, we have to always be connected to Hashem, regardless of the situation. In the Spanish Inquisition, in the Egyptian uh, expulsion, in 1956, in Corona, wherever we are, Roman exile, Greek exile, Hanukkah, we are always with Hashem. So, they took Rebbe Kiva and they gave him a terrible death. They combed his skin with metal iron combs until he died, like over a period, an extended period of time, days and weeks until he died. So the Talmudim asked him, the students asked Rebbe Kiva, Zotara, this, this is Torah, this is a reward. What's going on here? So listen to what Rebbe Kiva answered them. Rebbe Kiva answered them the following. He said, like this, every night in Shema, what do we say when we go to bed? With your whole heart, and your whole soul to give up your life, right? To give up your life for Hashem. So he says, Call Yomai, you see all my days I was traveled with this verse, right? Meaning your whole life. I feel like even if they take your soul, even if you give up your life, that what? When will I get the opportunity to perform this mitzvah? And he says, and now, and now the opportunity came to my hands. I shouldn't perform it? He says to the students. So this is interesting. <laughs> How is he answering them? Exactly. So he went his whole act of Hashem, like he shaked Lord of the mitzvah, and he did put on the in the mitzvah. So the whole is a mitzvah, my whole life, I waited to do it, now I want to do it. So that's, that's the Torah's reward. What's going on here? So Rabbi Nachman explains on the most deepest level what I just explained to you from Joey Dispenser, Dr. Joey Dispenser, the most deepest psychological and, 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 and level based on how the mind, subconscious, and everything works. He says the following. We know that when a person, and Dr. Dispenser says the same thing, is that when a person feels the trauma in the body, 
like we said, public speaking, the anxiety, the stress, the, the sinking of the stomach. The body doesn't differentiate between the event really happening now or the event being manufactured by the, by the brain. So if someone has PTSD and, and they had a horrific traumatic experience, they were in Iraq, they saw their friends get blown up, limbs flying everywhere in front of their eyes, dying. Now, they relive that every night in their dreams, once or twice a night or, or more. The body feels the way that trauma manifests into the body with the anxiety, the stress. Um, it could lead um, to, to eating conditions with reflux, gastrological uh, issues, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Um, or, or any other issues that they could have, right? They could have uh, uh, the body feels traumatized, emotionally drained, can't function, et cetera, et cetera. The body doesn't know the difference if the event is real or if it is just manufactured and made up in the mind. Says Rabbi Nachman, Rakiva every night when he went to bed would manufacture in his mind this trauma, especially, especially because he wanted to be able to feel the mitzvah every day because even if you can't do the mitzvah, like Rabbi Nachman explains, when we say, if you, are, if you have an accident, Hashem, Hashem forgives you. But Rabbi Nachman says, Hashem forgives you but you still need to have a, a desire and a ratzon and a do the mitzvah, right? Just because Hashem forgives you doesn't mean that you should not want to do the mitzvah. Meaning like, I can't go to shul today because um, it's, it's, it's snowing outside. Yay, I'm so happy. Let's go play pool, snooker. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sad I can't go to the mitzvah. The ratzon you have to have, even though you, Hashem says, okay, you're off the hook because you're, you're innocent. You're, you're, it's an, it's a, you're an honest. You're forced in the situation. It's out of your control. But you have to want to do it. So Rakia wanted to perform the mitzvah every night. So he would say, and imagine he's in the Spanish Inquisition and they're leading him out and they're saying, the, the, the Catholic inquisitors are saying to him that, you know, Jew, convert, your last chance to save your soul or we're going to light the match with you and your whole family, God forbid. And like that, tens of thousands of, 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 of committed and loyal Jews, what do they do? They died at Kiddush Hashem. And Rakiva practiced it every night. He relived it and he relived it like PTSD every night, every night. And therefore, he had so much training, so much conditioning, so much experience. He was ready. So he said to, the, to his students, every night I was mitzvahed, I was mitzvahed, meaning I practiced mitzvahed, I was, I was in pain, I practiced. And now that I have opportunity just to go all the way, meaning Rakhon says he would stop at the very last second every night from letting his soul go out. Now they have a trying to do it. It's easy for me. I practice. And this shouldn't come as a surprise to us because many of the Tzadikim, of the Hasidic Rebbes, the big Kabbalists, they, there's a, 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 it's actually interesting, the Vavash Rebbe explains that the paradox of being a Jew. We have a soul, we have a body. Our soul wants to go back to Hashem. The source, like a fire, wants to go up to its source. The soul wants to go up to its source every second of every day. That's what we say in Dizepesh. Right? We say, Nafshi choyla sabasecha. Right? Um, I have such a tzima'on, such a thirst, such a longing for you, Hashem. Right? I want to be one with you. And the soul wants to go back. And the paradox is that the soul wants to go back to Hashem, but we have to do mitzvot in a physical and, and uh, give mitzvot a physical and materialistic expression because that's what we're here for. God doesn't need more angels. He created heavens with angels and legions of angels and all this stuff. You might find him, all the spiritual um, heavenly beings. But Hashem wants us to be his partner in creation to get reward, right? Be a partner in his company, a reward for infinite reward to be with him. What's, what's that? Hashem says, I'm giving you the opportunity to take my will and my wisdom and my knowledge and give that physical expression. If you give my will and my knowledge through the Torah, 
and mitzvot, mitzvot are Hashem's will, Torah is Hashem's knowledge and wisdom, which is part of Hashem. Hashem is not different parts, right? Hashem's knowledge is there, Hashem's uh, will is there, right? Hashem is all one. So when you take Hashem, you give Hashem expression in the world through doing a mitzvah, or you give Hashem expression in the world through talking Torah, now you have a partner. The, the, the Hasidic is far and right that all the mitzvot are just 613 uh, suggestions how to be close to Hashem. Which person wouldn't want to have a tefillin that lasts forever and ever and ever? Forever, right? And that's the thing about doing mitzvot. That if someone doesn't have error, well, they'll just get their punishment. And that's, you know, very, very limited, whatever the punishment is. They have to do tshuva. Maybe they have to, I don't know, what they, maybe they'll get sick for a few days, whatever it is. They'll have a punishment if they don't do the right tshuva. If they do tshuva with love, there's no punishment. If they don't do tshuva, depending on how scared the sin is, et cetera, et cetera. But the Yetzirah tells a person, ah, oh, last night you had non-kosher mazba. Last week, you went out to this non-kosher uh, event. So now, don't go to your shiur. Don't put on tefillin. You see how he seduces you? The tefillin lasts forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Correct to Hashem. It's the only thing that's going to last. What you did over there, it's like a dead fly. It's, it doesn't, it, even if a person has to, God forbid, go in Shemaim and has to go through some sort of purification process, let's say um, he has to go to hell for a few minutes, but that's very, very temporary, right? It, it's gone. It's like it doesn't exist, Avera. Mitzvot are the only reality that exists. We have to grab the opportunity for mitzvot. So here, Rabbi Akiva, what happens? So I was saying that these Chadisha Rebbe's, what they did is, they, the Yid HaKadosh, one of the most famous Hasidic masters, they would have to accompany him into his, into his study every time he went to Daphne, Shmon Esrei, because he was longing that he should pray so hard and achieve that level of achdot Hashem, the oneness and his spotless notification of himself and, and his spashtos, hayashos, going out of himself. Otherwise, could learn astral travel and things like that. But towards Hashem, not just walking around towards Hashem, that his kids had to be there making sure he doesn't go all the way. Right? Like Rakiva had to make sure not to go all the way. And when a shakhanim, she goes, Piyot, Shem, kiss me from the kiss of your mouth, Hashem. When Moshe died from the kiss of Hashem, what does that mean? That means it was such a smooth transition that it wasn't a body and a soul being ripped apart. And they talk all these Kabbalistic terms about Kafa Kela and all these things. What it is, is a person identifies as a body and they really are a soul. When they get ripped apart, it's very painful. But if you're a tzaddik, Rabbi Nachman says, and you're so spiritual that you're not involved and indulged in your self-centeredness, in your ego, in all the materialism, in all the foods and all the indulgences, then dying, the Gemara says, is like a smooth transition. And the biggest tzaddikim, like Moshe, was a kiss of God. It was such a smooth transition. They got absorbed into God's oneness. It was an amazing experience. They went straight into, the, into Gan Eden straight into the spiritual realm, into God, nurturing, loving, infinite light with no physical ripping out of a physical body because it was so spiritual. So there's actually uh, uh, one of the rabbis came to the original. The original was one of the great Hasidic masters. He was like a king. He was very majestic. Yeah. His name was Reb Uri Sereliska and he, he was passed away. And his son came to the original long after he died. And the original said, tell me something great about your dad, the, the big rabbi. And he said to him two things. One, Every morning before he went to Daven Shachrit, he would say goodbye to my mom and to my siblings because of the level of achdot he tried to have, like a Rebekiva. And two, he said before he died that those letters that, that, that he wrote, the Chidushim, the Torah, that are in the bottom drawer, he wants to publicize, that everyone should know, they're not his, they're from Rebbe Aaron of Kalin, the great master from Kalin, Rebbe Aaron of Kalin. So the original turned to his son and said, I'm not impressed by the first one. The second one I'm impressed because the first one all the Chassidic masters did Right, I want to be close to you. And that's, that's the desire every, every Jew has to have, is, the, is for their soul to be attracted to Hashem. So um, if Rabbi Nachman gives us a solution, 
if we are stuck in the virus, says Rinachon, how can we get out of the virus? We have a virus, we are captive, our ego is holding us captive, our emotions, our stresses, anxieties, our fears, whatever we've developed and conditioned our, 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 our mind to believe, and then it's, that manifests into, through our life and through our body and through our actions. Says Rabbi Nachman, the Pasuk says in Ishaya, a famous song we all sing when someone leaves, Kibbe Simcha Tetzeyo. Right? Every time in Yeshiva or Sam, when someone leaves, saying, Kibbe Simcha Tetzeyo. Right? What, which means you go out with happiness. The Jews went out of exile with happiness. Says Rabbi Nachman, it doesn't just mean the Jews went out of exile with happiness. It means on an individual level, if you want to get out of your own darkness, your chayshach, your own exile, your own shibud, what do you do? You've got to be happy. Give a simcha. If you're happy, ketzeyo. You've got to get out. You're going to free yourself. Why? Because when you're happy, you take back control of your emotions. Because a person gets in such, such a vicious, spiraling cycle, dark, dangerous cycle of depression, and, and it reinforces, and I said it before, the emotion and the feeling in the body reinforces the, the thought, that reinforces the feeling in the body and reinforces the thought, and it's a vicious cycle. But if you say a joke, right? Like, why did the phone need glasses? Anybody? Because he lost all his contacts, right? If you're happy, then you smile, and then you free yourself suddenly because you distract yourself and you're free, says Rabbi Nachman, right? You distract yourself. The point is like this, is that we have to, the out of tshuva as well as the out of it, we spoke about emunah and betachon, letting go, letting God. That's how you attract into your life, whatever you want. Because what you do is the following, say, I have an objective. Hashem, I have an objective, or many objectives. My objective is, I want a house. I want a house, right? And it shouldn't really dictate to Hashem which house, because Hashem knows which house is the right house, or which girl you want to marry, or which job you want to get. Hashem knows which one is the right one for you. So I want a, I want a house for my family to live in, a nice house. There'll be two houses, one in the Gold Coast, maybe three, one in Broad Beach, right? And um, I want to have a house to, do, to have guests, and I want to have $10 million because I have to pay for private school fees and Kashrut and Pesach and Hashem help me, right? I want to have an amazing family with amazing children, blah, blah, blah. So, to pay off the synagogue. So then you say, these are my objectives, Hashem. I'm asking you for them. Please, only I can rely on you. Cast your burden on Hashem and he will, he will provide. That's what Rehachman writes. Cast your burden on Hashem. As long as you're trying to do it yourself, Dr. Hawkins says, it's not hard work that brings results. It's letting go that brings results. He said about himself, the Hawkins, that he wanted a certain, in Manhattan, he wanted a certain surgery, a clinic, and it was like impossible for the price that he wanted. He didn't have a lot of money in the most amazing area in the Central Park, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know what, Hashem, God, I'm going to, I want this for my jacket. I'm letting go, I'm trusting you. He said, it happened in a week or two later, so effortlessly, so seamlessly. He just happened to be next door for no reason. There was a real estate agent outside and he said to him, oh, what are you doing here? I'm looking at an apartment. Oh, I'm actually looking for an apartment. An exact price, an exact time and the most amazing location and he did nothing. Just let go and let God. As long as we, as long as we are doing strength in our own hands, God say, fine, take care of it. You're independent from me. You're doing it yourself. No worries. But as soon as we let go of our personal ego and our individuality and we trust in Hashem, and that's what Renachman, then Hashem does it. And that's what Renachman says, the most brilliant thing. Rakiva, the Gemara says, and the, and, the, and, the, and the commentaries explain that he didn't feel the pain because he, it, was, it was like a kiss of God. He went into God's actus. And Renachman says, why is it when we bang our foot or we hurt our arm or we bend our finger, our first reaction is, without even thinking, what is our 
natural, automatic, immediate response, we shut our eyes. Ah! Says Rabbi Nachman, you know why? Something very deep Kabbalistic is happening here. The soul is trying to reconnect to the oneness because if you get out of the body and, and your feeling of you, 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 you won't feel the pain. So the body is like, ah, and it hurts, it hurts. But if you shut your eyes and just get out of yourself for a second and just try to connect to the soul and to the oneness bigger than you, then that takes away a fraction of the pain. Now, Rakiva had lots of conditioning, lots of training every night for many, many years. If we just have it one time, it doesn't work straight away. It, it, obviously, it's a natural um, reaction of the soul. But we have to practice on it. So to finish off, it's also the art of tshuva. All the Hasidic masters from Baal Shem Tov, all the way through the Tanya, uh, the, 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 the says this again and again, tshuva, tshuva, tshuva. People think tshuva is a whole process of Kippur, months and months and months of forgiveness. It's a simple thing. Hashem, I'm sorry, I let go, I regret it, move on. 